Good morning, church. If you would open your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 we kicked off last week with the King is coming. The King is coming. And this week we're going to take a look at this. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. Remember, the Advent season is a season of expectation, anticipation. I'm waiting for. It's coming soon. And if you are in the mood for good news, and I hope you are, we got some good news. Here's some good news. Salvation is coming because God sees, God knows, God has a plan, and God has a supernatural forever salvation plan in motion, and he's going to bring it all the way through to completion. Everybody say that's good news. That's good news. In the midst of so much bad, more and more good news, more of God's church being fired up about good news, even though everything else may be falling apart, nothing's going the way that you planned, you know that God's plan cannot fail, that God is going to come through even if everybody else fails you. I don't know what your past months, past year have been like as we're concluding 2022. Maybe you look back and go, this is not at all what I had planned for myself. There is a whole lot of evidence that I'm living in a fallen world, a sin-cursed world. There are problems everywhere, problems around me. And for many of us, we can say, I, I know that there's major problems inside of me. I need good news. And God is a God that sees and a God that knows and he moves. He's taking action. So as we look at just a few verses in Luke chapter one, if you need a copy of God's word right in front of you, you should have a Bible that's a gift for you from us. You can take that home. And we are reading from the English Standard Version. And as we dive in, we want to be prayerful that God would speak, that we would hear, and that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers. Luke 1, let's do this, verses 5 through 25. We want to look at a very familiar word. If you were here last week, we looked at this word, behold, behold. Let's do a little bit of review. Last week, we talked about behold. Every time you see behold in scripture, it means this, check it out, check it out. Some of you, you're already there, you're already there. So you need to participate. You need to be able to shout it out. So every time you see behold, every time we say behold, your line is check it out. So you can, you can do that in various ways. Today could be your day. You could just say, well, check it out, y'all. You, you can say, check it out, yo. Check it out. You can do whatever you want. And for some of you, you just need to do a, and that, that's, that's you maxing it, redlining it, right? What, wherever you're at, you can belt out your loudest, your best. Check it out, all right? So when we hear behold, when we see behold, we're saying turn your attention. You gotta see this. Open your eyes. Don't look over here. You gotta look over here. Do you see what I see? Are, are you taking this all in? Time and time again, we see this in scripture. Behold, and it's to grab attention, to turn our eyes away from maybe our problems, maybe our thing, maybe our little bubble, our little world, and to be able to turn our attention to what God wants to say. And so we're going to see it a number of times. We're going to kick off with this. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I believe it's God's will for you to take notes. In Jesus' name, take notes. Number one, behold. Oh, man. Oh, it was weak. It was weak. I know I caught you off guard. Here we go. Number one, behold. All right. That's better. That's better. Celebrate the promise that God has a plan and prepares the way. Let's check it out together. Verse five, in the days of Herod, in the days of Herod, bad mamma jamma, the king of Judea, there was a, a priest named 
Zechariah, of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Okay, we had talked a little bit about Elizabeth last week because she was six months pregnant, and we had alluded to her as we looked at Mary and Joseph. But here's what's happening. We have Zechariah, we have Elizabeth, husband, wife. What? Why are they such a big deal? Look at number, verse 6, right? See 6 there in your Bible. Chapter 1, verse 6. They were both righteous before God. They walked with God. They knew him. They desired to honor him, worship him, walking blamelessly in all the commandments, the statutes of the Lord. They were completely blameless, and they obeyed God's word. Everybody say, wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive, right? They, were, they, they weren't wishy-washy. They weren't one foot in, one foot out. They weren't fence sitters. They were all in, fully committed that when God said it, they did it. They loved the Lord. They obeyed his voice. And then we get to verse 7. But, everybody say but. Here's the contrast. What happens to those that walk with the Lord and love the Lord and serve the Lord? They get everything they want, right? They're, they're chipper all the time. God is the cosmic vending machine. They pop in the quarter, pull the lever, and boom, they get exactly what they ask for every time. Is that, is that what happens here? But they had no child. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. That culturally, it was, it was such a shameful thing. There was such a, a weight in society that if you did not be fruitful and multiply, if you were not committed to leaving a legacy and growing your family, and, and if you were barren, this is a mark of what did you do wrong and what's, what's wrong with you? What's going on with your relationship with God? And why isn't God blessing you? And why isn't God giving you what you have asked for and what you long for, what you want so bad? Have you ever been there? God, I want it so bad. God, I, I want a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't want bad things. I want, I want what you want, and I want it so desperately. Why? Why am I here? Why am I in this place where I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's not coming? God, do you hear me? God, are you, are you there? And I know for, for some of us, we either have experience or we've been close to the the great heartache of wanting children, not able to have children. And as a family, we have, we have gone through that ourselves of wanting and almost having and God giving and taking away and the pain and the heartache and the tears and the questions and the doubts. And we're not too far removed from somebody that is wanting and even wanting what is good and what is right and wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why did you give just to take away? Why are you not giving at all? And I'm, I'm waiting and I'm trying to walk with you and I'm trying to seek you and this isn't working. Well, we have Zechariah and Elizabeth that are godly, that are walking with the Lord, that have expectation, but yet they're hurting. In verse 8, now while he was serving as priest, we're learning a little bit more about Zechariah, he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty. So he was of the tribe of Levi. If you know anything about uh, the 12 tribes, we have Levi as the, the vein, the stream of priests. And they, they would enter into the temple. They would enter into the holy place. 
and that they would have duties to to serve the Lord in a very unique, very special way. And it says here that uh, when his division was on duty, he was kind of a big deal. He was like, it's game time. I don't know if he was working third shift. I don't know if he, if he walked in exhausted and tired and overwhelmed by decades and decades of wanting and waiting and maybe frustration and heartbreak. And it's time again. It's time again to enter into the holy place. And according to the custom of the priesthood, verse 9, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So picture the, the temple and only a few people could enter in and one person at a time and they had to be prepared for that and you had to be of a, a certain line, a certain lineage. And so there Zechariah is, as he had done before, it's my turn now to enter into this holy place. And so imagine gold walls probably about 15 feet high 15 feet wide about 30 feet long and they're the ark of the covenant the presence of the lord he's entering in you don't stick around very long you go in and you pray and you pray quickly and you are hopeful god i hope i'm prepared right and i hope i'm in the right mindset and that my right my heart has the right motives and he comes in and on one side he would have uh, 12 loaves on unleavened bread represent God's supplies. And there on the other side, the candles are lit. And you think these candles flickering in this room made of gold. And there on the altar, his role was to make sure that the incense burning, it represents that he has the great privilege of direct access to pray on behalf of God's people. And that the incense going up in the offering would be a, a sweet smell the aroma to god god receive the offering on behalf of your people and all of our sins and our failures and as he is doing his duty and as he is praying what happened verse 10 do you see it the whole multitude there's there's a whole multitude everybody say that's a lot of people oh that's a lot of people a whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. They knew what was going on inside. They're all out praying. In verse 11, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And what happens every time an angel shows up? What happens every time that there is an, an image that is so overwhelming, so horrifying? What's the response? You got to think probably 15 feet high the ceilings were so let let's imagine that a 14 and a half foot giant warrior of light shows up in the dark dark room with a few candles lit uh probably either pass out or fall flat on your face horrified not expecting it thinking did, did i blow it did i mess up like is this my time am i being punished what's going to happen next well what happens? Verse 12, Zechariah was troubled. He was troubled. Everybody say troubled. Yeah, that's an understatement, right? When he saw him and fear fell upon him, horrified. Every time in Scripture, God's presence equals fear. But what happens in verse 13? But the angel, knowing what's going on, said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your, this is awesome, for your prayer has been heard. And he's like, 
I, I pray for my people every time I come in here. I pray for our sins. I pray for what a mess our nation is in. I pray for all the things that are going on. But what was the prayer that God heard and sent a messenger to affirm to Zechariah, God's listening to your prayers? What is it? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. That's an awesome name, by the way, and I don't know if you're picking out baby names, but I would go with that one. That's a good one. It's biblical. Biblical. So do we recognize that even though we're going through our day and going through our duties and our responsibilities and there are things that are on our heart for many other people and there are things that we should be praying about, we should be praying for our world, right? We should be praying for our nation. We should be praying for our state. We should be praying for leadership. We should be praying for things at, at work. And, and you know that when an angel shows up and you're horrified and you're wondering, yeah, God, not only is God not listening, but I don't know what's going to happen next, to hear words of, I am the messenger of God and God sent me to tell you the burden that's on your heart, the thing that you are most overwhelmed with, God's listening. He's listening and he's answering. And in that moment, I wonder what Zechariah would have thought. What You showed up here? You showed up now in this place to talk to me about the thing that is so personal, so intimate, so overwhelming, so crushing in my life? I don't know what your thoughts of God are. When you think about God, I don't know what, what you think. But this Christmas, maybe one thought is God sees and God knows. God's not silent. He's moving. He's doing things when it looks like nothing is happening. He hears when you feel like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. God cares about the things that are on your heart. You're not being selfish when you are overwhelmed with a burden and an ache that you continue to bring to the Lord. God knows. God hears. There's good news. Rescue's coming. Salvation is coming. And here's the, here's the call. Do not be afraid. That's what they always say, right? Do not be afraid. We need comfort in our times of greatest need, do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not be fearful. Your God sees. Your God knows. He has a plan. He has a supernatural forever plan. Have you ever experienced comfort in your time of greatest pain that God has spoken to you personally, intimately, that maybe God has used someone in your life that just shows up, the call, the text, coffee, meeting, whatever it is, and says as if it's like, God, I'm listening, right? You're, you're sending a messenger. I'm hearing what you have to say. God does care. And sometimes we need to be aware that we are earthly messengers, and as we are going, that God is putting things on our heart to speak. Maybe we don't have an angelic message, but maybe this Christmas, God is wanting to send you to be able to enter into the heartache of, of many. I was, I was thinking about this, this book. I haven't finished it. I've started, worked my way through some of it over and over over the past 20 years. But in the 1870s, 
Hannah Whittall Smith, 43-year-old housewife. She, she wrote this book, and it's, you should probably write this down. This is really important, all right? Before you die, you are going to read this, right? The Christian's Secret of a Happy Life. Who would write a book about happiness in the Christian life but someone like this? It's not a light, cheesy, be happy, self-help, pop psychology kind of read. This woman lost a preborn child. She lost a daughter to bronchial pneumonia. Her grown son, while a sophomore at Princeton University, died of typhoid fever, leaving her totally crushed. Her husband had emotional issues their entire marriage. He was in it, literally in and out of uh, sanatoriums. That's a really hard word. We don't have uh, crazy houses anymore, but put away in the loony bin, in and out, bankrupted the family's wealth, and it was a lot. And just when things started to get a little bit better, have you been there? Just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and I feel like we're finally on the other side of this. She found out that her husband had been living his entire married life in marital affairs. Destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. And she picked up a pen and what did she write? Christian's secret to a happy life. Out of the darkest places, she wrote of God's comforting nearness. They weren't insights in a mountaintop experience and a breakthrough in God's amazing answers. It was insight into the heart of God and his grace and his comfort in her darkest moments. And though 150 years old, pick it up and read and be encouraged and find this out, this truth. God is awesome in comfort. God is awesome in comfort. Sometimes we want our God to be the God that just removes the obstacle and answers the prayer and just takes the bad away and, and gives the good. And as Zechariah and Elizabeth recognized, decade after decade after decade of heartache and lack of God showing up when they expected him to, God is at work and he brings comfort in those moments. So I don't, I don't know what testimonies God's calling you to share this Christmas but I wonder if you would look back at your life and recognize all the ways that he has brought comfort. Maybe not direct answers and direct solutions, but that God has been Emmanuel, God with me personally every step of the way that he has never left. And that is really good news that brings great joy this Christmas. And so if you are taking notes, jot this down. Not only behold, that's your cue, not only behold, yeah, celebrate the promise that God has a plan and prepares the way, but, but worship, worship. Trust the word of God and watch him work. In case you need to, you can just always turn around and look, look back. Worship, trust the word of God and watch him work. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, what, what's his response going to be after him showing up in this way, in this timing? And to be able to hear this news, it's a miracle. I mean, this is a miracle. Everybody say it's a miracle. It's a miracle that he brings to Zechariah and he says to the angel, I mean, how shall I know this? I mean, how should I comprehend this? How am I to believe the unbelievable that God would hear me and God would 
move and answer, for I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. Do you know when you're hurting most? It's hard to hope when you're hurting. Have you experienced that? It's really hard to hope again. I was so hopeful, and then it seems like God didn't come through, and I was so hopeful that this was finally it, and then it didn't seem like God answered, and I've been hurt so many times and let down and let down and let down, disappointment after disappointment. It's hard to hope. And I wonder if today we just need to hear hope again. Choose to hope again. That Christmas of 2022 would be a Christmas that you say, I'm choosing to hope. Where I lost hope, I'm choosing to hope. How is, how is this going to happen? There is no way. I mean, when a 14-foot angel warrior shows up and says, this is going to happen, how hopeless you have to be to, to have a response of, eh, really? Prove it. How much doubt do you have to have in your heart to say, how, how is this going to play out? I mean, convince me. You got to be pretty low. You got to be pretty low. Well, if God would just show up and he would tell me, even if he does, for many of us, we would go, yeah, right. Even if an angel shows up, how? How is this possible? How is it going to be possible? What did the angel answer to him? This is crazy. The angel answers. All right, here, here's my interjection of paraphrase. Hey, hey, hey. Listen up, bub. I don't know who you think you are, but did you not hear me? This is back to God's word. I'm Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. That's what I do for a living. I am with God. I am in his presence. I just left to bring you the message. It's from God. You have the nerve to doubt? I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this. Here it is. Zechariah, I brought you good news. I brought you good news. And you believe. You don't believe? We so want good news. But how do we respond when good news comes? Sometimes it's really hard to believe that good could come out of this. It's really hard to believe that good is on the other side after it's been so bad. It's been so hard. Verse 20. Here it is. This is your part, okay? This is your part. I'm give, giving you some preparation here. And behold, that's right. Check it out, yo. You are going to be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. You didn't believe God's words, which will, everybody say will, will be fulfilled in their time. God's words will be fulfilled. Will, will, will guarantee. You want a sign? You want a sign, Zechariah? You want a sign? You want proof? You want proof that this is really the message, that this is really God's word speaking to you? How about you shut up and in a few months, maybe I'll let you talk again. Is that miracle enough? Is that proof enough? Does that give you enough time to show the power of God and that God is in your life and he's with you and that he is at work? That with your doubt and with your cynicism, that with your pushback when the good news comes, sometimes I don't know what God needs to do 
for some of us in different seasons where we're hard-hearted, when we're calloused, when we reject his gentle promises, encouragement, that sometimes God ramps it up a little bit to try to get our attention, that he's serious about the work he wants to do in our lives. And I've been in many situations, I hope this isn't true of you, of walking with individuals, walking with families, walking with somebody that has been so stubborn, that's been living a double life, that on the outside has been doing the right thing maybe, but inside is slowly hardening, doubting, resisting. The question is always, how bad is it going to have to get? What is God going to have to do to get your attention? Because He's speaking. You're not listening. He's speaking right into your situation. He's speaking right into your life. Are you going to believe? Are you going to believe maybe for the first time? Are you going to believe maybe after a season of rejecting, of doubting? Do not fear. Believe. Do not reject. Receive. And we see from Zechariah's example, someone that has been in ministry for so long, has seen so much, has been in the presence of God, and yet he can believe on behalf of God's people that he can make sacrifices, but when it comes to his own personal life, his family affairs, doubt. That he can come boldly before God's presence and cry out for mercy on behalf of God's people. But when God brings good news to him, to his situation, he won't believe it. And the people were waiting. Do you see it? The people were waiting for Zechariah. Remember, there's a whole multitude, a whole lot of people whole lot of people. Ever say a lot of people? Remember all those lot of people? They were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering, what is the deal? He's taken forever. Do you know what that means? He's dead. He's dead. He wasn't clean. He wasn't prepared. He dropped dead in the presence of God. What else could happen? They were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he finally came out, they're like, whoo. But the issue is he went in speaking and he came out not some, not a word could he say. Verse 22, when he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them but remained mute, right? Have you ever played charades? I don't know if Zechariah was the first to invent charades, but I don't know if he was like, like sounds like, I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know how he communicates that. God spoke to me. There was a vision and that I'm going to have a son. His name is John. I don't know how much got communicated, but they knew something unique happened that had never happened before in the presence of God when he came out. He came in one way. He came out another. And when his time of service was ended, he went home. Verse 24. After these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. For five months, she kept herself hidden. Why is that? After decades and decades and decades of just shamefully and people gossiping and and attacking of why she couldn't have children, and finally she has a baby, I wonder, and this is speculation, so we'll we'll step away from the word just for a second, but I, I wonder, was she in much disbelief as Zechariah? Is this really gonna happen? You're pregnant miraculously. But, but I'm not sure. 
Am I going to carry full term? And what if I don't? And what are they going to say? And can I really trust God here? We, we don't know exactly why, but she, she hid because something was going on in her heart that she did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled. I don't know what she was questioning. I don't know sometimes for us, what are the specifics? Because sometimes we don't have a problem believing in certain areas, but there are other areas that we're just consumed with doubt. We're consumed with anxiety. We're consumed with questions. What of God's words are you not believing? Where are you hiding? Where are you choosing to withdraw when you should be pressing in by faith and moving forward? Where are you pulling back, isolating, when God is saying, move forward boldly. Believe the promises. Believe that God performs miracles. Believe this, this Christmas. God is at work when your prayers go unanswered. God is at work when you can't see the way forward. God is at work even when in the past it looks and it feels like God's not listening. God's not listening. Where is he at? Has he left me? Has he abandoned me? That this Christmas would be a Christmas of believing again, hoping again, choosing pathway forward of joy and not bitterness and resentment about how your story has played out. God sees. God knows.